0: So glad to have this opportunity to share with you guys, and we pray uh, that you have been blessed uh, through our journey uh, through the book of Exodus. Uh, we're continuing that journey in the book of Exodus, uh, looking at what we are calling the Ten. Uh, that's the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Uh, and today, uh, we'll continue that journey. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, if you have your Bibles. One of the first lessons I received as a real estate agent was this. If it's not on your schedule, it doesn't exist. It's a word of caution regarding how the squirrels of life or distractions can cause us to squander the very valuable and very limited time that we have from day to day and rob us of joy and productivity. It's a call to keep a schedule to block out for those, uh, to block out time, rather, for those things that are of most importance and to be prepared to say no to those things that would interfere with that block of time. I confess that I am a notorious squirrel chaser, much to my wife's frustration, especially when we're trying to do tasks around the house. It makes it difficult for me to stay On task in one area until that area is finished, and oftentimes means that it will ultimately cost me more time and more energy to complete that task. That is, if my wife and her frustration doesn't come over and take it from me. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. It's not that we aren't used to following a schedule. We have times and seasons for almost everything that we put our hands to. We have work schedules that we follow. Some of us have specific schedules or times in which we go to lunch during our work hour. We have times for school. If you're a sports fan or if you have children who play sports, there are seasons and times for sports. There's a soccer season, a baseball and football season. There's a basketball season. Some schools now even have archery and fishing seasons. If you're a hunter, there are seasons for the various types of game that you can hunt. As they teased out this lesson on time blocking in the real estate training I was attending, they recommended you even schedule time for family and vacations. We have times and seasons for work. We have times and seasons, excuse me, for vacations. Vacations that often leave us tired and needing a vacation from your vacation. We have times and seasons for almost everything. In our text this morning, God calls Israel to a day of rest. That is a Sabbath to the Lord. A day that he has made holy, a day that he has called them to remember to keep it holy. One thing we don't want to do this morning is uh, uh, get into what particular day of the Sabbath is supposed to be. We won't seek to be legalistic in any way regarding a physical Sabbath. But we want to highlight the fact that God does indeed call Israel to arrest. rest. And not just a physical rest, but a rest that is holy to him, a rest according to scripture that he has blessed. And my challenge to you and for myself this morning, because I didn't get much sleep and I'm quite exhausted, so my challenge to you and much to myself Since the Lord has ordained a Sabbath and have times and seasons, and we have rather times and seasons for everything else in our lives, do we have times and seasons for Sabbath? Our task this morning is to look at the fourth commandment, which refers to keeping the Sabbath. Look with me at Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The first thing I want us to note is that at the beginning of the text uh, speaks to what type of day or season it should be. The beginning and the end rather. The latter part of verse 11 says, therefore, the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The first part of verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. God doesn't waste word, family. And so when we get words like this, he's saying the same thing to us beginning and end. He's calling for us to pay attention. The word holy here is the Hebrew word called dash. Is Strong's number 6942 for those who like to take notes and look up things. And it simply means to set apart or to be set apart or consecrated. For Israel, we know again that this command to Sabbath was a day. It was a physical, temporal time to be set apart or consecrated. The seventh day for them particularly. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it Holy, the Lord goes on to describe what that looks like, saying six days, verse 9, you shall do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work for you you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is in your gates. He acknowledges. That there is a labor associated with our lives. I know you have jobs and kids and other responsibilities. God acknowledges that there's labor associated with our living. But he limits this labor to six days. And not just for them, but for the entire house, for the children, for the servants, for the animals, for the sojourner, for the visitor, for the foreigner, the stranger. So God gives the command. He described what that looks like. God even gives them a why, if you will. He gives them a why in verse 2 that is rooted in their deliverance in Egypt, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and a why in verse 11 that is rooted in creation. For in six days the Lord made heaven heaven. And earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And on the seventh day, he rested. Why remember the Sabbath? Because before there was anything, God spoke and made everything. Because either by his hands or his word, everything that they knew to be became into being or came into being. When there was nothing before but God himself. Why remember to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy? Because when Israel was in bondage in Egypt and their lives were valued as nothing, the God who created everything set his affections on them and made them his chosen people. And finally, we see the fruit of the command. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The blessing of the Sabbath day is threefold, family. Number one, God calls Israel's attention to himself. It's not just a Sabbath. Verse 10 tells us the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Consider if your spouse told you, hey, Friday night is a Sabbath to me. You know not to make any plans for that day because they want your time. They want to be with you. He's giving Israel the greatest gift he has to give himself he invites them into communion number 2 the sabbath is blessed because god calls israel's attention to his six days of work in genesis 131 god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good he invites them to acknowledge and celebrate his provision and creation and 3 god calls israel's attention to his Finished work. He could have pointed them to any of the days, any of the six days of creation, but God pointed them to the seventh day. He pointed them to the day that he rested. He invites them to enter not just a day of rest, but into his rest. Family, we desperately need God's rest. The command was set in place to lead Israel into communion with God, celebration of God and rest in God. Where is your heart today, family? Where does the command of God lead you? And if it doesn't lead you to Sabbath, do you feel a loss or longing for God's communion, celebration and rest? I stand before you guilty because I definitely feel a loss this morning of God's rest. In his book, The Rest of God, Restoring the Soul by Restoring Sabbath, author Mark Mark Buchanan shares this. The world isn't dying for another book, but it is dying for the rest of God. I certainly was. I became a Sabbath keeper the hard way, either that or die, not literally die, at least I don't think so, but die in other ways. It happened suddenly, he says, over time, but I noticed at some point that the harder I worked, the less I accomplished. Have you ever felt that way? The quote continues. I was often in a whirly gig of motion. Most days or my days were intricately fitted together like the old game of mousetrap. Every piece precariously connected to the other and the whole thing needing to fit together if any of it was to work at all. There was little joy and stunted fruit. To justify myself, I tell others I was gripped by a magnificent obsession. I was driven, I said, or words like that. It may have begun that way. It wasn't that way any longer. Often I I, I just obsessed, merely driven, no magnificence or purposefulness about it. I once worked 40 days, an ominously biblical number, he shares, without taking a single day off, and I was proud of it that things weren't right? Have our plates, our schedules become so full that we leave no room for deep and meaningful interactions with God? Have we become so distracted by our own busyness that we fail to see and celebrate His daily provision, that we fail to enter into His rest? And again, I want to make sure that we're saying and that we're hearing. I don't intend to sound legalistic about it. I'm not saying take off uh, your Friday or your Saturday or your Sunday. I'm asking when does God's word draw you into communion? When does God's word draw you to celebrate who God is and what he's done, the provision that he's made in your life? I'm asking you, when does God's word draw you to rest in God? I'm asking, are you making time to experience these things? And where do we find Sabbath? We're not Israel. This text in Exodus was written to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. The command to Sabbath wasn't written to us, right? So does God call us to rest? He does indeed. We are called to rest in the person of Jesus Christ. Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Throughout his ministry, he was often criticized for a lack of Sabbath observance. We find one such instance in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 24, One Sabbath, he was going through the grain field, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? The Jewish leaders, much like the time in the Old Testament of the Mosaic laws, had built up an impressive list of rules surrounding the original intent of Sabbath, which was simply to give time and attention To God and to celebrate and enjoy the life and provision that he's given us. That he had given them. But remember, we're not looking to be legalistic. So how does Jesus handle the question about what is lawful on the Sabbath? Verses 25 through 28. And he said to them, have you never heard what David did? When he was hungry and in need and he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And gave also to those who were with him and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. How is it that God could lawfully command the Sabbath for Israel? Because he's God. Because he's Lord. Because he is Yahweh. Because he created everything ex nihilo out of nothing. Jesus in Mark is speaking what is lawful and not lawful and placing the call square in the realm of his authority to make because he is the son of man who is Lord even of the Sabbath. And Jesus, as Lord of the Sabbath, says in verse 27 of Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. A time to commune with God was made for man. A time to acknowledge and celebrate God's provision was made for man. A time to rest in the finished work of God was made for man. Are we taking that time? And if we're not taking that time, are there any dangers in not taking that time? In his article, Sinking of the Sabbath, Charles Gardner writes, Refusal to rest will inevitably lead to spiritual, physical, mental breakdown." Constant busyness is like uh, is likely. Excuse me. Constant busyness is likely to rob people of the vital opportunity for discovering a relationship with their Creator, who offers life that is truly life through Jesus. They may never enter the rest or peace God offers because they haven't made time to consider His place in their lives. Mark Buchanan again in his book, The Rest of God, says this. In a culture where busyness is a fetish and stillness is laziness, rest is sloth. But without rest, we miss the rest of God. The rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we may know him more deeply. Be still and know that I am God. Some knowing is never pursued, only received. Hear that, family. Some knowing is never pursued, only received, and for that, he says, you need to be still. Sabbath is both a day and an attitude to nurture such stillness. It is both a time on a calendar and a disposition of the heart. Sabbath imparts the rest of God, actual physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional rest, but also the rest. Of God, all the things of, of God's nature and presence that we miss in our busyness. Do we want to be legalistic and, and hold ourselves and others to a day? Of course not. But, family, if you don't prioritize time with God, other things will take that time. And it will not be to our delight, but to our detriment. So what are some practical ways for us as followers of Jesus to Sabbath? How can we accept this invitation to commune with God, celebrate him, and to rest in his finished work? I want to share three things with you. Three practical ways. Number one, daily devotion. Communion with God begins with God's word. My wife and I typically read through the psalms at night before going to bed, and we allow whatever psalm we're reading that night to shape our prayer tone. in addition to whoever else may have been uh, put on our prayer list for that day. If you're having trouble finding something to read, I know sometimes it can be hard, just narrowing in on something, but there's a reading plan on our church's website that I commend to you. What makes this time of communion um, excuse me what makes this a time of communion is allowing for the exchange. Sometimes in our devotion we can get up too quickly. Remember, it's It requires time. As you read God's word, that's you allowing God to speak to you. As you pray, that's you speaking to God. Allow yourself to sit a moment. So Whether you're simply meditating on a a single verse from something that you've read or whether you're journaling and just allowing God to speak to your heart to see if there's anything more that he would call you to. Make it communion, not just duty. Number two, downtime. Celebrate God's provision. There are many ways to do this. I've been brainstorming over the last few days thinking about ways I can do this. And it's not simply a coming away from labor, although we should take time to clear our schedules and come away from labor. But it's an an acknowledgement and celebration for God's labor and God's provision. If this is a nap time, I know some of our family who love to take naps. If it's nap time, so be it. God bless you in it. He said, I give my beloved sweet sleep. It's a gift from God. Celebrate it. If this is a walk in the park, I know some of our family like to hike. God bless you. A bike ride, God bless you. If it takes your mind off of your work and your obligations and sets your mind on what God is doing, then whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. The missus and I have decided that we'll begin setting aside a a few dollars, nothing much, $50 once a month. We'll just take a day trip. Let's take a day trip. We talked about maybe just riding down to the coast, grabbing a lunch, going and parking in front of the beach and just looking at God's majesty. This is us getting away. This is us resting. This is us celebrating who God is. For he created everything, right? Again, nothing grand, just something that celebrates God's provision. Number three, decide. And this is most important for us because, again, we're not Israel. John nineteen twenty-eight through 30 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they took a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. God in the fourth commandment pointed Israel to the seventh day of creation, the day that he rested. He pointed them to a finished work. For you and I, it's not a matter of deciding to follow a commandment, but deciding to follow Christ. Galatians 3, 24 through 29. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. In order that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And you, if you are Christ. And you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promised. God's law to Israel was leading them to communion with him. God's word through Christ or God's word was intending to lead us to Christ, to the Savior, to his finished work. He invites us to step into the eternal rest of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Free from commandments, free from slavery to man or to sin or to our own performance. Free to enjoy his promise of life eternal with God. This is the Sabbath that God calls us to through Jesus Christ. And I pray for myself and I pray for you that we find rest in him. Would you pray with me?